Did you know that every time you listen to an ad on this podcast, you help cover the cost of producing Find Your Food Voice? Thank you to our sponsor, Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. Because of them, my team and I can continue our independent podcast. Equilibria is a women-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and back my mind and body back into harmony. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. It also promotes optimal vaginal pH. These probiotics were chosen because they are studied for women's health. And I love that you can subscribe. So if you find that Equilibria's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense helps you, you can subscribe so you don't have to think twice about running out and also save 25% off. I just started taking the Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense after a trip overseas that made my GI tract kind of funky. I am hoping that it helps make things just a little bit easier, easing back in. And also as a woman, as a woman in midlife, I'm always looking for ways to help with vaginal pH. If you are not in midlife yet, just be aware. It's a thing that is around the corner for you. So head to myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. All right, let's get back to the show. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita and let's begin. And welcome to season three of the Love Food Podcast. I'm Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. And I've missed you. I've missed connecting with you. If you're new to the Love Food Podcast, I want to give you a little information that'll help you understand what we've been doing the last 122 episodes. You, the listener, writes a letter to food. And as that dear food letter is describing your complicated relationship with food, it helps us to better understand what's going on. And I do my best to help find some solutions to experiment with. And the cool part is, is that food writes back at the end. And along the way, I like to talk to other people who've been doing similar work to me. A little bit about me is I've been a dietitian for 20 years now and been helping people on their food peace journey most of that time. And while I don't know it's going to help every single person, I certainly have really sat with other people doing the same work. And I've had the privilege to walk alongside them and sit in their pain. And they've taught me what's helped them. 
So I want that information to get to you. I'm getting help today with this episode's letter from Amy Pershing. She's a licensed clinical social worker and founder of the BodyWise Binge Eating Disorder Recovery Program and the HungerWise Program. She's also one of the authors of Binge Eating Disorder, The Journey to Recovery and Beyond. We have a wonderful letter, like I said, and it's from someone who's moved around the world and now lives in a place where she doesn't have access to people like therapists and is wanting some solutions to help her move forward in her eating disorder recovery, which includes some parts that are traumatic. And the letter writer does mention some sexual abuse, so I wanted to give you that heads up. Before we get to this episode's letter, a word from our sponsor. This episode of the Love Food Podcast is brought to you by my PCOS and Food Peace course. I have a 12-step system that helps those of you affected by PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome to move away from diets and use intuitive eating. Yes, you don't have to diet if you have PCOS. You don't have to torture your body anymore and you don't have to hate your body anymore. I wanna help you feel more at home in your own skin and this course is made just for you. I also have made this course into a way to train dietitians. So if you're working with a dietitian and your dietitian wants to know more ways to help people with PCOS, send the dietitian my link. It's pcosandfoodpeace.com. That's one the one for the course for those of you who aren't dietitians. And for dietitians, it's pcosandfoodpeace.com forward slash dietitians. I also have a very cool project that I've been working on with the grad student that previously worked with me. Do you remember Kimberly Singh? I've talked about her in previous episodes of the Love Food Podcast. Well, we decided to put together a 10-episode capsule podcast and we're releasing it in September. It's called PCOS and Food Peace. And we're just doing these 10 episodes and we're gonna just kind of leave them there in uh, podcast land for you to get to whenever it's the right time. And we're interviewing some really fun people. If you wanna know more about it, come join me on Instagram. That's where I'm talking a lot about the PCOS and Food Peace podcast. And you can find me on Instagram at Food Peace Dietitian. All right, enough of all that. Let's get to this episode's letter. Dear Food, you've been my friend and my enemy at the same time since I can remember. My first episode of bulimia was when I was 12 years old. And since then, I have used restricting, binging, and purging to cope with my life. I'm 28 years old now and eight months pregnant. I am happy to say that I have been recovering with ups and downs for three years now. I feel better than ever in my life, even that my body has been slowly growing for the past eight months. I'm so excited and grateful for this baby and to have found resources like this podcast to help me through the recovery. I want to give some hope about beauty concepts and say that I moved from Europe to a rural area of Botswana, Africa three years ago. I'm convinced that is what helped me a lot was the fact that the beauty icon of this society is so different than in the Western world. People don't talk about diets. Bigger bodies with bigger hips are beautiful and preferred than thin ones. People are free with what they eat and never judged. And people are fit and healthy even with larger bodies. I could really see that body size doesn't have to be related with health and I have felt really free. 
Unfortunately, I don't have physical access to therapists or any other professional that can help me with the recovery. And that is why I'm so grateful for podcasts and reading materials. I have also understood the roots of what led me to use food as an emotional support. And that has been the hardest part. I somehow managed to block the memories of child sexual abuse that I had suffered for many years right before my eating disorders. Shame and pain had kept them inside my head, and I learned how to live with those memories during all those years without talking about them with anyone. I know that this topic is different than what you usually get on the letters but I would really appreciate if you could recommend any podcasts, books, or even therapists that could help me go through this trauma. Most of my eating behaviors seem to have subsided since I am trying to go through those memories and emotions, but they seem to not go completely away. Sincerely, recovering the best I can. Thank you so much for your note, letter writer. I really appreciate it. And I hope you know that you're not alone. Many people are experiencing eating disorder because of a trauma that happened in their life. Not everyone, but certainly a lot of people that I've met along the way. And I also really appreciate hearing your experience in a different culture, in a place where bodies are celebrated because they're all different and beautiful and being different is beautiful. That makes my heart just so happy because one of the reasons why recovery is so hard for many different people is because our world hasn't recovered from its own eating disorder yet. So you're bringing me hope. Let's keep working on changing our culture. And I wish you had access to more treatment options. And what you're trying to recover from is something that goes really deep and is going to take time. Luckily, I've been able to connect with a therapist. Her name is Amy Pershing, and she is someone that has worked a lot with people experiencing eating disorders and also complex PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. So let's go ahead and give her a call. Hello? Hey, Amy, it's Julie Duffy Dillon. How are you? Hi, it's really good to hear your voice. I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk to you and I'm excited to talk about this letter. Did you get a chance to read it yet? I sure did. I've, I've read it several times and have really thought quite a bit about it. It's a just a profoundly touching letter, isn't it? Totally, totally. And it was so... Um, there's so many things in there that I, I feel like a lot of people will relate to, but there's one piece that I don't think many people relate to is like living in a place where bodies are more celebrated for being different. What was your experience in re- reading that part of the letter? It, it's I think it spoke so, so beautifully to how how much the cultural impact is on our internal dialogue about our bodies. You know, this this writer was so eloquent in, in sort of talking about how literally her experience of her body's acceptability and, and worth and value was profoundly shifted when she went to someplace that celebrated a more diverse size spectrum. Mm-hmm. And what it, what it spoke to, to me too, I know she goes on to talk a bit about um, some traumatic experiences in her history. And I was just so struck by when she got to a place where her body felt 
where she felt free to be the size she is, that's when she began to have some access to doing the healing of the trauma. And, you know, that to me is so powerful. It speaks so much to how important it is to create that environment in our culture so mm-hmm. that healing can happen. Well, what, why do you think that happens? Why does it take um, just feeling more okay in your skin? Why, why does that need to happen in order to do some of that work? I think particularly in the case of sexual abuse, which this this is the uh, that's what this client refers to or this person refers to. I, I think one of the things that's that's so important is to think about that as it's a violation of our most our our most sacred boundary that is our physical body, right? Is it is a violation of that body, and when that happens, when we're children in particular, we take that as our body is not worth caring for. Our body is not worth protecting. Our body is not worth honoring. That there's something wrong with our very physical existence. So that feeds that narrative of, you know, the the sexual abuse says something about my body. It says my body's not okay. And then you walk out into the, the culture and the cultural milieu and it says the same thing. She went to a new place that said, we value your body exactly as it is right now that message intrinsically challenges the the messaging that kids take in when they're sexual abuse survivors. And so I think it gave her, I'm, I'm hoping it gave her a, a different possible lens, a different way to look at her past other than from a space of shame. Mm, like it almost gave uh, uh, permission to kind of explore that maybe I could heal this other trauma too. Exactly. That's really important. I, but I think about what about the rest of us who are still here? In this other place that is, that's kind of, and I, I say that I'm like, I live in a body that's not considered to be, um, I guess I'm, I'm told that my body's okay, but for many people listening who are experiencing this like violent act every day because they're told their body's just not okay. What, what about them? You know, what can, what can they do? First of all, amen. Uh, <laughs> and and, and, and secondly, you know, I think if, if we begin in the, in the popular culture and certainly in our, our clinical milieu, if, if we're labeling those kinds of experiences, weight stigma and, and just body diversity oppression, if we're labeling those things as traumatic, if we're labeling those things as reinforcing of trauma paradigms, we begin to look at it, I think, sort of differently. We begin to understand that we're doing damage. It's not a passive, uh, you know, thing that's happening. That body shame actively keeps people in trauma cycles or keeps people in trauma narratives that maintain eating disorders. So there's a fundamental connection there. It is critical that we stop that messaging. The other thing I think we have to really work on culturally is this this immediate connection between health and weight. Um, we we have all kinds of of um, you know underpinnings um, that say the thinner you are, the healthier you are, um, and thin is under is possible for everyone, and it's under everyone's control. If they just, as one of my clients' doctors said to her, put the fork down, mm-hmm. everything would be fine. And that that narrative so sets up it blames the victim, right? If my body is not naturally a thin body. And it's healthy and not thin. I still have the narrative that there's something wrong with it. There's something that needs to be changed. We need to challenge that narrative mm-hmm. every we possibly can. 
Yeah. So if we're challenging it and naming it in a way that's making a step to towards not necessarily a, out of the culture and out of the violence, but it's at least making it a step away from it. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. And, okay. and finding your community, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think that the good news is there's, you know, there are podcasts like yours. There are, there are more and more places where people are challenging these narratives. We're seeing it more, not, not enough, but more um, in the, the popular press that there's, mm-hmm. you know, there's some challenges to this. Look for those. Mm-hmm. If, you know, I always tell my clients, if an image makes you feel bad, don't consume it. That's right. excellent advice. Excellent. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I, I'm really thankful for things like social media. I think about even my own journey to be a dietitian and how um, I came to really find that diets don't work the hard way with working with clients and 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 prescribing diets and pushing diets. And then after a few years realizing, oh, this is actually not working and um, doing harm in the process. And what's happening now is there's more undergrads in nutrition who are learning this because our world is just better connected. I mean, that's one of the perks of this, I suppose, that we're we're getting to it. And I, it does make me hopeful that we're going to change society's way of looking at bodies or just do a better job at challenging it and not make such that health equals weight or that health is a moral issue. You know, we're challenging all of those things. And luckily there's people like dietitians in training who are getting that as we speak. So they're going to do better. Absolutely. And I think it's, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're needing to expand that acceptance of diversity in all different arenas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know, this, I think this needs to be added when we're talking about, you know, racial uh, integration, we're talking about sexual orientation. We absolutely need to also be putting in there and weight stigma. And we need to keep adding that, I think, to the, the good conversations that are going on. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to be sure that that's a part of it. I think that's a good place to begin. Mm-hmm. Um, it's making sure that that's part of the conversation of defining oppression. Right. Yeah, I agree. Well, so with this this letter writer, what would you say um, are some first few steps towards healing? First of all, I would say absolutely A plus in recognizing how different she felt in her body um, from one place to the next. I think what that sort of speaks to is honoring that this isn't all about her internal uh cognitive distortions, right? That this is very much about the milieu around her. And so the good news is support is possible. We just have to find it uh, around us. So that's that's one thing I would say is really great. The other thing I love too is just this, this wonderful piece about shifting into a much a space of excitement and gratitude about having a baby and about seeing her body as this, you know, a miraculous um, uh, place as opposed to looking at it based on how it looks as defined by some very specific image. So I, I love that piece. That's really sort of stepping into seeing the beauty and the value of her body. And so that I think is part of an, a, a wonderful um, launching pad for doing the trauma healing um, because that that's the next piece I think of the work is creating space and support around her to begin to look at the effects of these experiences on how she sees herself now um, and what she needs to do to heal. And it's, it's wonderful. She's already made some 
significant steps in that direction. So that's just, just by virtue of feeling better in her body, feeling more at home in her body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, getting into treatment with somebody who's trauma informed um, and eating disorder informed. I think that piece is really important that they're coming at it with a trauma lens. Um, and there are some good, there are good resources to read. Um, there's, there are a number of good things out there because our, our knowledge about trauma has increased tenfold in the last 10 years. Certainly. I feel like it's more people, more people are talking about it as a must. You know, it, I talked to a lot of, um, new counselors and it seems like that's now just part of the training. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a, like a extra thing you can learn. It's a part of it. I think that's absolutely true. It, our, we used to really come from a very kind of, um, it's like a, a, a very patriarchal model about therapy, you know, which is you, you sort of go in and you fix the ways that your thinking is broken. And sort of now we know much better that a lot of, of damaging behaviors, including eating disorders, have at their, at their core, at their initial cause, um, uh, dangerous, dangerous things that happened to a child where they felt out of control and unsafe. And so that relationship with food isn't actually dysfunctional. Um, It can ultimately be a saving grace. And so healing is really about adding a lot more tools to the toolbox so that you can go to things other than food to meet those needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because this letter writer talks about how, you know, as, as she's feeling better and feeling more at home and in, in, in her body. But she seems like she's like frustrated almost that she just can't let the eating disorder piece go. Like there's still a part tied to it. And so what I'm hearing you say is like, well, there's a function still to it. It's still helping with something. I think that's that's absolutely right. It, 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 it would not be true. Another way, maybe to say this, see what you think, is that if we were to suddenly snap our fingers and have a, a, a body inclusive cultural milieu, eating disorders would not just go away. Right. Yeah. Um, bottom line is that there's still for many, not all, but for many, um, and particularly for clients who have a binging behavior as part of their eating disorder, there are significant rates of childhood trauma. Mm. So mm-hmm. we really need to be understanding it from uh, what I call a strength space, which is we have very limited resources to soothe and to distract and to take care of ourselves when we're in a situation that's either threatening um, in an ongoing way or just unpredictable in its threat. And so that relationship with food is actually extraordinarily adaptive. So to suggest that someone just stop doing it would be like taking away the very thing that they perceive to keep them safe and leaving nothing in its place. That won't work. It's also why diets don't work. Diets don't work because diets don't work. But they also (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> okay, so don't work because you're t- you're trying to take away one of the most significant ways of feeling safe. Mm, yes, totally. And no wonder so many people tell us that they are they're struggling with recovering from binge eating disorder, and it's taking so long. But like the typical approach includes dieting or um, trying to help people get to a certain weight and that's just kind of keeping people in the hamster wheel, you know, and, and, and like you said, not really having a way to cope with what they're experiencing or have experienced. Yeah. So it's not really like helping them get to a place of healing. Right. And, and dieting is predicated on the idea that, you know, something outside of you knows better than Mm. you how to care for you. 
And, you know, if we think about it, that's, that's also part of that trauma narrative. I can't trust my own perceptions. I can't trust my own needs. I can't trust my own wisdom. Um, and so, you know, when we're healing from the dieting narrative in doing trauma work, we're, we're also healing those other narratives too. Mm-hmm. So shift into, into what I call attuned eating and movement, which is basically moving and eating in a way that honors the body heals in so many ways, all those messages of, I can't trust myself. Wow. Well, what this letter writer in, in particular was looking for just different ways to help promote healing as she's trying to figure out what she has access to. And, and it sounds like access to therapy is not something that's going to be easy for this person to come by where, because of where they're living. And um, we have something as a part of the Love Food podcast called the Food Peace Syllabus. If you're new to the show, it's a collection of books and podcasts, movies, anything under the sun that we have found that helps to further promote food and body peace. And you can get your copy at juliedillonrd.com. And Amy, I'm wondering if you would like to put anything on there that would help this particular letter writer? There actually are a couple of, of books I think might be really, really powerful to consider. Um, the, the first one is by uh, Dr. Laura Brown, um, and the book is called Not the Price of Admission. Um, it's a really wonderful book that I think helps, helps people differentiate between what the truth is about me from the trauma voice versus what the truth is about me from our healthy self wisdom and helps us begin to make that differentiation. It's a, it's a really powerful book and she's a wonderful writer. Um, so that's one. Um, and then the other one, if I, if I may do a, a, a self-promotion here, um, my colleague, uh, Shavise Turner and I just finished writing our book called, um, uh, binge eating disorder, the journey to recovery and beyond. And uh, we focus a lot on binge eating and trauma. Um, that's really the, the core of the book. Um, so I, I think both of those are, are, are good options when someone's dealing with binge behavior and things like sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, when I read this letter, I immediately thought of you because I, I knew you and Shavise were working on this book. And I thought, you're going to know some really great tools, including your book. And I, I'm so glad that you uh, let us know about it because I think for anyone listening that can relate to this letter writer, they're going to find this book really helpful. And, you know, I haven't read it yet, but I have it on pre-order. So I'm going to get it as soon as it comes out. <laughs> yeah. And uh, by the time this episode goes live, it'll be out. But um I I know your your work enough and Chavis's work enough to know that um, it's going to be providing a lot of really important information and just even hearing how you're describing how this letter writer is experiencing things and your impression of what's going on um, the the way that you frame it I think it's something that we don't hear enough about and it's. I often hear about recovering from binge eating disorder can take seven to fourteen years on average and one of the reasons why I think is because. Um, like you said before about how diet is a part of it and, and how trying to fix, um, from that patriarchal kind of perspective instead of the strength base. So I'm really looking forward to hearing it from this perspective and, and reading and reading that. So we'll put all of those in the show notes. So it'll be really easy for anyone listening just to connect with. And if someone wants to know more about your work or more about, uh, maybe how they could work with you, um, where's a good way to find you or how's a good way to find you rather? Sure. Um, 
there are a couple of websites, um, Julie, that are the easiest. One is, uh, the first one is our, our binge eating disorder program. So if they have particular questions about resources or maybe connecting with clinicians in their local area, we're happy to do that. We also do referrals. Um, and that's at uh, www.thebodywiseprogram.com. Um, and then the second website is uh, particularly for information and updates in our blog uh, about the book. And that's at uh, www.bedrecovery.com. Awesome. Thank you. I will have all of those in the show notes. And I really appreciate your time and your expertise and certainly your compassion. I feel like this is something that's going to be really helpful to the letter writer and for anyone listening who can identify with it. So thank you very much, Amy. Thank you, Julie. I so appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. So there you have it. Letter writer, I hope Amy's wisdom and compassion gives you some new tools and new strategies to move forward with whatever types of care you can connect with. I see that food has written back, but before we get to food's letter, this episode is sponsored by my PCOS and Food Peace course. You can get to it by going to PCOSandfoodpeace.com and don't forget to check out the podcast with the same name. It'll be released in September. Thank you, Amy Pershing, for being a guest on the Love Food Podcast today. Be sure to check out her book and remember you can get to it by going to bedrecovery.com. All right, until next time, take care. Dear Recovering the Best I Can, we certainly have experienced the best and worst of times together. Over a decade of tug-of-war games have put a strain on how and why we connect. We wish you knew how much we wanted to help you get through each moment, especially the toughest ones. We rejoiced when you moved to a part of the world where you learned your body was not the problem. Removing that violence, we hope helped you to label your body worthy just as it is right now and worthy back when your body was experiencing the worst pain. Now, keep in mind that you're not broken and our ways of relating were not wrong. We survived. Moving forward, With your growing family, keep in mind you are valued, you are worth protecting, and you deserve to feel at home in your own skin, today and every day. Love food. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is a Love Food Podcast. Do you want access to more food peace? Jump on over to my website and join my email list. There, I share exclusive content that I don't share anywhere else. Get access to these tips and strategies by going to juliedillonrd.com forward slash sign up. And I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Love Food Podcast. Take care. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.